0: views and opinions on this show do not necessarily reflect the views of espn tucson 1490 and 1049fm or the arizona lotus corporation got car trouble now's the time to talk with jerry on the simmons car care shop talk show call in now at 719-1490
1: Drinking, piston clanking, air polluting, smoke belching four wheeled buggies from Detroit City. Then pay attention. I'm about to sing your songs, huh? Well, I'm not a man to point a judge, it's very willing to hold a grudge. But I think it's time to send me a few choice Good morning, Southern Arizona, and the rest of you out there in cyberspace around the world, actually. Uh, welcome to the Simmons Car Care Shop Talk Show, right here on ESPNTucson.com, 1490 AM, 104.9 FM. I'm Jerry Simmons, your host, along with me, Riding Shotgun, my good buddy from Frontier Towing, Mr. Jim Mooney.
0: Good morning, Jim. Good morning, Jerry. Good morning, everybody out there in Cyberlands. And remember, I'm on the radio, so as I always say, it's a super safe Saturday. What does that mean? Well, that means no no texting and driving. Slow down. Move over for a disabled vehicle on the side of the road. No drinking and driving. you out there enjoying one of the football games today, no drinking and driving. Uh, be safe. If you're working on your car, make sure to use proper safety equipment, jacks, floor jacks, hood props, and disconnect the battery. The simple things in life. Let's make sure we get through today with no accidents, no crashes. That's what we're going for today. How about that, Jerry?
1: I think that's absolutely perfect. This portion of the show is brought to you by Spectrum Ina Road Auto Collision. 520-744-4454, anything that you have to do with the body exterior of a car,
2: they're
1: they're really good at it, really good at it. They're at uh, 4425 West Ina Road, 4425 West Ina Road, or you can Google them, go to um, Spectrum Ina Road Auto Collision and pull up the website. And that will give you a breakout of what they actually uh, do. But it just, they're really good. They're just really good. And they're homegrown, uh, voted number one collision center in the state of Arizona in 2018, and I think 2019. And they back it up every time you go in to get anything done. Also,
0: <clears throat>
1: Merle's Machine Shop, 15 West Aho. That's for the early birds that are listening to the show and say, whoops, I've got to do my brakes or doing a clutch, and you need some machine work done on uh, refinishing uh, drum brakes or rotors or cutting a flywheel, resurfacing a flywheel. And that phone number is 807-4010, 807-4010. The other sponsor of this first hour, is actually two hours, is Frontier Towing for all your towing needs. 520-748-1100. If it needs to be towed, they can tow it. All right. What, Jim, what have you been involved in in this week It would be interesting to the public?
0: Oh, it's been actually... Uh, Pretty mild week, although I will say that last Saturday after I I professed my super-safeness, I saw three car crashes before noon. So I was thinking that people were not following the guideline of of pulling over, moving out of the way, not texting, but paying (laughs) attention to the driving. So um, we are seeing uh, a little bit more um, uh, more, lack of paying attention on the roadway. I will say, are our, are our, um, we're seeing a lot. Of, we're seeing battery issues, not so much overheating. The temperatures kind of cooled down a little bit, so the cooling cooling system failures are are dropping. We are getting a lot of battery failure issues. A lot of people with needing jump starts or batteries that just die in general. Um, and and batteries that just die, they just die, folks. There's there's no there's no help to them. they you know, you can try and jump them all you want and like i said last week when when they fail they fail and if you're lucky a lucky soul to have that two battery system well then you get double the fun uh <laughs> other than that um things to be seem to be moving along on a fairly decent pace you know there's some um, transmission mm-hmm. issues we, we've seen a quite a few transmission issues um mm-hmm. a lot of um a lot of uh, no starts for whatever whatever the software updating needs are a lot of vehicles are are having that, the updates you know they call them recalls but i don't know if it's a really a recall if it's a if it's an update um get a lot of it's cars updated. that, that will function yeah, a, what is it though they call it an over the air update Think it, it, like how they they log into your car uh, and and do a software update
1: yeah, they can do that on the late, late models. On the, uh, But the recalls and the technical service bulletins. A recall is for safety items, safety issues. And then a technical service bulletin will send it out and said, oh, your computer needs to be updated. And it's time for an update. Come in, we'll update it for free. And so you take it in. When I took my 06 in, it had... 13, 60, 13. It was past due for 13 updates, you know, and technology changes every day. And these, uh, the manufacturers put these vehicles out and, you know, it'll come out and then they say, whoops, we forgot to update it to this right here. So now they'll send a technical service bulletin out to the dealerships. Uh, The garages get them. Uh, We log in on the TSB, technical service bulletins, and then we can pull the information out. And that's become a big factor in automotive runability issues because it is electronic. It is; It can be permanent. I mean, as far as it can set a light and go permanent on you, or it can be intermittent. Intermittent is a nightmare. However, when you get these notifications to uh, update your computer – uh, get it done. You know, my I, I think I may have even told you last week, my brother had a uh, 2004 F-150, 2006 F-150. And he was having an intermittent light come on. And he fought that thing and fought it and fought it and fought it and fought it and fought it, and fought it took it to a shop in Carolina. And, uh, of course, it's like taking a kid to a doctor. When you get there, there's nothing wrong with it. And but they he finally took it in, and dropped it off and said, I want you to fix this thing. So they tracked it all the way back. Took seven hours to diagnose that it had an issue with the uh something inside the main computer and it was an intermittent problem. So they changed the computer out, crossed his fingers, and all of a sudden the truck is running better, fuel economy's better, he has no lights coming on everything is running better i mean it just it's working like it's supposed to but just because you've got a, a computer that come out in 2006 or 2007 8 up through 2022 uh hey all of them are subject to have problems and when you get these notifications you take it in and you upgrade them the reprogramming computers because most of the runability issues on these cars turns out to be an update that somebody hasn't done. And once you do that, then you can proceed with the rest of the automobile and checking it out. Now, Jim had mentioned uh, battery problems. I was talking to Mike Parker at Parker Automotive yesterday. Mike and I had a nice little chat for about an hour and a half. And I asked him, I said, what are you seeing the most what 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 do you see the most? And he said, "You're not going to believe this, but tire problems." And I'm going tire problems. I thought that people, you know, since you're rolling on them all the time, you pay attention. He says, "Yeah, but they're not they they don't, they're not sure what they're looking at when you're actually looking at the tires." And he said, "But one of the deals that he remembers it was on a Honda." And he said it was a a tire monitoring problem, and they looked at the tires. The tires were fine. You know, they were brand new. But they were the wrong size tires. So the computer didn't recognize the wrong size tires. They They were bigger than what the others were. And So the computer said, no, no, no. The lights kept coming on. They kept checking it. And finally, they changed all four tires to the correct size on this Honda, late model Honda, and it cured the problem. And the other thing he says he's seen was a Subaru that hit a pothole, and it broke a shock. Well, when it broke a shock, and it ripped out a tire. They they went in, and uh, all the tires were bad. They had to put a new set of tires on it, so the place put a new set of tires on it, and I won't call the name. And then the young lady was driving it home, and all of a sudden she's got smoke coming out of the right front of this Subaru. And, of course, she's, she's a daughter, and she just, you know, you just drive it. And she she called her dad. Her dad got a hold to Parker Automotive, and they were discussing it. And then she had it towed in, I think, to Mike. And when it got there, they went in to the right side to find out where all the smoke and the burning rubber was coming from. When she hit that pothole, it broke the right front shock or strut, probably a strut on it. But it stuck the... Part out, broke the shock off. It went over to the outside against the tire and rubbed the tire. Now, I've been around automotive a long time, but I kind of going to have to agree with Parker Automotive. Maybe, just maybe on a slight chance that when that person or that shop was putting on that set of tires, uh, they should have picked up the shock, broken shock on it. Uh, so anyway, after they got it in and they had to fix the right front and then the company did honor the tire, they'll, they'll take the tire back and give her a brand new tire. Uh, it was, uh, just a little bit, I'm going, wow, I didn't know that still happened. I thought people in, especially in the garages and tire shops and whatever, were a little more cognizant of what was going on to front ends of cars. But evidently, it's not quite 100% yet. Probably never will be 100%, but I thought that was interesting. But he said the tires that people are running around on, he said what they do is, when I'm telling you, look up the little A dot sign, and it'll have four digits in there. It'll give you, if it's uh, the... Tenth week of 2022, it'll give you a 10-22, and that'll tell you when the tire was actually made. Uh, There's some scuttlebutt on do you still have to replace your tires in five years, six years, seven years. That depends on where you live in the environment. Arizona likes to cook tires because, oh, they're out in the sun most of the time. If you have it garaged and the only time you use it, you back it out of the garage, open the door, back it out of the garage, and then go do your grocery run and you're out about an hour and come back, depending on what time of day. Because everybody knows that the roads get hotter in the afternoon because of the sun in Arizona. So you got more of a heat transfer in the afternoon than you do at six thirty in the morning. So it depends. When you get around the four to five years, depending on how many miles you've driven, depends on what the conditions you're driving in, which is either hot or and since this is a worldwide stream show, whether it's hot, cold, wet, dry, you know, that's the environment that you're gonna deal with. And the other thing is the the potholes and stuff that we have. Tucson has a lot of potholes coming back since the rain, the monsoon season because water does not compress. It goes inside of the dry cracks that the sun creates on these asphalt roads, and when a vehicle hits it, something like my truck at 8,000 pounds or just a car at 3,300, 3,400 pounds, it slaps the water. The water does not compress. It starts making holes in the road and then you hit one of these potholes and uh, it'll try to knock the front end out from under to start with and the suspension components on these late model cars because of the uh environment uh because of the environment environmental issue with the gas mileage the components on the cars are lighter weight. They don't take the beating that the old cars used to take on these roads. They're, the metal is lighter, and they have struts. They have uh, all sorts of traction bars, and all this stuff can bend because they've been they've lightened them up so that they can get better fuel economy out of these cars. So when you hit a pothole and then you notice that, oh, maybe then the next morning, because you're you're, you're driving and uh, you're driving, you're supposed to be paying attention. So you hit a pothole, big deal. You still may hit another one five yards away. So you're driving and you're paying attention. But if you hit one that jars the car, I hit a pothole in a truck that actually tried to turn me sideways. In fact, it did move the back end. And uh, so I'm going, wow. But if you get in a situation like that, it's probably time to have a front-end alignment checked and make sure that you don't have any bent components. Now, keep in mind, you can align a car on a rack with bent components, but, as soon as you back it off the rack, it's no longer in alignment because everything changes on the bottom of it. So when you have a put it up and you've hit something, it's a possibility that something is bent. It don't have to be bent you know uh ten inches or something like that. It could be bent a quarter of an inch, but that's the reason you have an alignment check. To keep your car going down the road, it saves fuel when it's running straight, and it also gives you better tire wear. It gives you equal tire wear. So that's the reason for that. Um, As far as the tires themselves, if you don't know what you're looking at for a tire, and you're running a tire, and you've got, uh, let's say you hit a pothole. And I was talking to Jim the other day, and he was talking about the bubbles that come up on the side of the tires. Well, Mike was talking about that, too. And when you have a bubble come up on the side of the wall, that means that the sidewall has a rupture in it. It may not have blown out. it just sidewall is ruptured. And that is something that you really don't want to play around with because you don't know when it's going to decide to turn loose. So if you notice a little bump on the side of the car, I don't mean something as big as your little pinky because it normally does not show up the size of the end of your little finger. It normally shows up at anywhere from a golf ball size to a baseball side on the uh, side of the tire. And it doesn't discriminate on which side it comes up on. If it comes up on the outside, you'll probably pick it up really quick. But if it comes up on the inside of the tire, which is not – it's it's harder to see, uh, then you probably will miss it. But if you have a tire issue or tires that's old and been setting in Arizona, in the Arizona sun, uh, around four to five years – And then, if you have one that's been kept inside the house, you look at the date code and they're moving that date code. People are saying four to five years from the original date. And, but if you're running seven years and you still have no weather cracks in the tires, the tires are still in good shape, well, you're probably all right to go for a while, you know. But I, I'm I'm very leery about taking a car across country because I've had tire issues because of the sidewalls and the dryness in Arizona. So if you're planning on taking a trip to New York and back and your tire's about six years old, I'd probably recommend that you get those tires replaced before you take off. And for the people that have RVs, tow trailers, uh, horse trailers, uh when you when you go in, they do have upgraded trailer tires now uh the standard trailer tires go they got a speed rate on them of sixty five mile an hour Is't that correct jim on on the regular trailer tires correct. that you buy when you buy a trailer
0: some some are actually lower like u haul puts a forty five mile an hour rating on their tires so Um, they don't want you going too fast but yeah most most of them are limited 65-70 miles an hour they want you they understand the heat and the weight load on the trailer so they want to make sure you keep it um, the speed low to keep the heat down and when you're uh, talking about the damaged suspension and I've done a lot of tires in my life just like you Jerry I used to uh, know guys that would, you know, they'd have suspension issues and they'd they talk about, you know, they'd, they'd take it to a shop and the guy's like, well, look, your your ball joints are wore out, for example. You need, you know, your tires are going to wear crooked because cause the ball joints are wore out. I'm like, ah, you know what? How much do you want to fix it? And they'd throw them a number and the response would be, well, I can buy three tires for what it costs to fix that. So I'll just buy the key buying the tires and I won't worry about the ball joints, uh, you know. <laughs> so, so, let it be right
2: <laughs> right so,
0: but today today, tire's not so easy to get. tires are a little challenging um there There's a shortage of rubber trees because they didn't get planted on their normal cycle because of the pandemic um there's russia the Russia war with Ukraine, actually, Russia supplies quite a bit of of tire pro, tire material, raw tire material there are, there are manufacturers that, that we've talked to who say you know they're not they're they're very concerned that production will be stopped because they won't have tires to put on their trucks so if if you think maintaining your suspension is expensive well when you're trying to buy the tire that doesn't exist it's not really about an expense anymore it's about what can I get and when there isn't anything or a very limited supply to get you know and you're going to be like well I wish I had Fixed my front end or my suspension or my rear end because you know, good lord, the four wheel alignment now is, the, is the standard. Yeah, not not the not the um, four wheel alignment is the standard, not the not the the um, oddity anymore that it used to be. So you know, as you're sitting there thinking, well, now it's I can't buy the tire at all. I can't get what I need. And Jerry just went over. Well, I'll just stick something on there. Well, that doesn't work either. These light model cars look at wheel speed. they look at the car the the vehicle knows how many rotations that that tire is going to put on the car, so when the computer sees a wrong rotation number, it throws a code and says, "Hey, there's a problem we're it would think it's a wheel spin situation, but now it's a permanent wheel spin situation it doesn't know what to do. The car you know the car throws a code now the now the a b s doesn't is goes into default mode and and the and the domino effect starts to occur. So okay, throwing a throwing just whatever on doesn't work either. So now you're stuck with I can't get what I need, um and uh, I don't know what to do. So now so now you're stuck with a car that you can't drive because a simple preventative maintenance system has now come into a critical breakdown situation. And that's what we talk about. That's what we hear to say. When when you can fix something take care of it now when you have the chance so that you before it comes into this critical mass because just because it it's not broke don't fix it yeah not really doesn't work anymore now you, it's it's not broke but I better look at it anyways I better check make sure that that it's not broken and it's not going to continue to break or there's something I can do to prevent it from wearing farther down the road and so like, another, the, the, tire, another, the tire thing – Uh uh-huh. go ahead. Jump in there, Jerry.
1: Um, and <coughs> another thing when I was talking to Mike, as he mentioned, and he said, uh, I don't want to fix it. I'm going to sell it anyway. People, I have heard that a million times probably since I've been in business for 47 years. And it's funny that Mike Parker actually told me that yesterday. He said, you know, we." he he asked me if I've ever heard this before. I said, all, yeah, all the time. And uh, that short, well, I'm not sure. I don't know if I want to put that money in it. And uh, I'm not really sure uh, what he's telling us. He's not really confident uh, or convinced that that's what he actually needs or it's more money than his budget will stand right now. So I understand that I'm going to sell it anyway, and then they'll come back in a year later after you've repaired a bunch of stuff on it. The car's still running pretty good, but you still got that one little issue that you're ignoring, and it's it, that's the reason it's back in now. And uh, as and I'm going to I'm going to have to go with Parker on this one and automotive specialists. You know, if you do a little bit of maintenance all time. Just just stay on it, little preventive maintenance, regular maintenance, then this vehicle is going to last and last and last and last. And if you don't, it's going to it's not going to nickel you to death. And people say, you know, I'm just getting tired of spending, you know, wow, I just spent one hundred and fifty dollars on this car. Really? Let's see, that's about one eighth of a car payment on a new car. And you still got it, it's paid for. And people are still driving these cars. I've told you before, I meant that the average driving or keeping these cars is 12 years. But if you want that car to run 12 years, you're going to have to do some maintenance, whether you like it or not. You can do preventive maintenance or you can do breakdown maintenance. And the difference between those two is if you have to call Frontier Towing, to have your vehicle towed into the garage because it's not running and it blew something up, that is called breakdown maintenance. If you take it in and have a, a oil service, AC service, uh, transmission fluid flush, engine oil changed, differential fluid changed, uh, CVT transmissions fluid changed, uh, lube job on the front end. If you if you stay with that then this vehicle is going to run and give you good service and make sure you do the brakes make sure you have a brake inspection because brake if that slide locks up on that front rotors it's not going to allow the rotor to operate properly and it's going to wear out one of the pads and it can run out take out the front pad or the back pad and it'll give you premature wear and it'll cut down And you'll look at it from the outside, and the front pad looks good. What you don't realize is that the caliper is not opening all the way, and it's wearing out the inside pad. And first thing you know, you got a grind in the front end of it, and you're thinking, what in the world is that? Well, the slides didn't work, which is an easy thing to actually put a little bit of grease on. And... Keep it clean because it's right against the, down there at the road. It picks up everything that the road has to offer and it tries to lock that slide pin down. And then you've got a quite an expensive brake job that you're facing. A little bit of maintenance all the time and preventive maintenance. Preventive maintenance is like, okay, I've got a uh, serpentine belt. I got a serpentine belt. It's got some cracks in it, but, you know, the they say you can go two cracks per inch. Okay, so you got two cracks per inch. Take your finger and a ruler and measure one inch and see, all right, two cracks, and then how long is your belt? So how many cracks do you actually have in that belt now? And I've said it before. If I wanted a serpentine belt with cracks in it, I would have bought it brand new that way. Cracks are not in there to cool the belt. They're in there because it's a wear factor. So now you've got a serpentine belt, and no, it hasn't broken yet. That's preventive maintenance. When you change that belt out, when you spot those cracks, that is preventive maintenance. If that belt breaks and you lose air you lose your power steering, you lose your alternator, you you lose your air conditioning, anything, a water pump, you lose all of that up front. So, preventive maintenance of replacing that belt can potentially save you a lot of stuff including a cooked engine. So, that is preventive maintenance. Time related Maintenance is kind of like the tires. They got a date on them. Said, "Okay, guys, this is when it was made. Now, if you go four or five years on it, <clears throat> it's time to start watching this thing. I mean, if it lasts that long, or if you hit a big hole and it may have ruptured or sidewall or something, you, of course you pay attention to it. But you, when you get these tires and you pay this heavy money for them, and they are up by the by the way, they're almost." Ex- well there it's not uncommon to see anywhere from a, uh let's see about uh two four six eight around eight hundred is probably the average now, or you can get a cheaper tire for some of the lighter cars, probably around five six hundred something like that and then if That is preventive maintenance by changing the tires. That's preventive maintenance because they haven't went flat yet. And so it's not – the car is not taking you into the garage. You don't have to call Frontier Towing to come and get you and pull you into a garage have his stuff fixed. So that is preventive maintenance. It's very important you understand the difference between preventive maintenance and breakdown maintenance. Breakdown maintenance – is when the car takes you to the garage. Preventive maintenance is when you take the car to the garage. And trust me, it's not the other way around. You can save 40 to 50% by having a good preventive maintenance program. That includes your regular maintenance, your oil changes and stuff. And there's too many people that think that an oil change is an entire preventive maintenance on a vehicle, and that's just not true, okay? Uh, You've got to have somebody with experience or yourself take a look under the hood. You're watching for all sorts of stuff, like, uh, you know, when it said, oh, well, I'll just drive it, because just like Jim was saying about the cost of the tires, uh, I can buy, you know, if I buy four tires, I can buy a lot of whatever's for four tires, same way with the oil consumption of a vehicle. If you have an oil leak on a car and it's leaking down, it's leaking, it is fluid, it is driving in the wind on the car, you have the currents are shaking it back, the rubber components, it is deteriorating the hoses, the bushings, the rubber bushings, through the whole undercarriage of the car. It just keeps going right on back. And I've heard the comment. Well, you know, I can buy a quart of oil a heck of a lot cheaper, and I can have that valve cover fixed. That is correct. You can. Okay, so you're going to drive that vehicle from here to Phoenix, and you have got a bad leak coming out of a valve cover. You can drive it to the to grocery store, over to the Circle K, or whatever you want to do, and get back home. And yeah, it's fine. Yeah, and you you say, okay, I got a leak, so I need to check it. So you're checking the oil. Well. When you get out on the freeway and you bring that RPM up on them and and you're running in traffic so you're constantly accelerating and decelerating and you're running with everything at operating temperature and it's pumping that oil out of that engine. They have a little monitor on most of your late model engines now that when you get down low on oil, the monitor comes on and shuts the vehicle down. It just shuts it down to keep you from blowing your engine. So putting that quart of oil in there, now, was that a good decision that you run it and then you get almost a phoenix and all of a sudden the vehicle quits? Or you blow an engine on the older ones that don't have that little gadget on there because you have constantly pumped the oil out of the vehicle at high RPMs or a sustained run at operating temperature, where everything's hot under the hood, and that oil is flowing out of there, because a 5W20 oil will flow. Synthetic oil will flow out. 520 will flow out. It is designed. They changed the internal components of the car to closer tolerances, and they went to these synthetics to to cut down on the rotation, the amount of energy it takes to rotate an engine when you're driving. So just just remember, when you have this problem and you ignore what I'm telling you, you were told. Um, batteries, uh, batteries, shops, Parker has it, Mike has it over there, Simmons has it, uh, Uh, Automotive Specialty has it. We can check your battery and tell you approximately how much life is left in your battery. It's computer checked. We'll get a printout, and it'll tell us what you've got on the life of the battery, the condition of the battery. So when you see uh, liquid sitting on the top of your battery, when you raise the hood, batteries do not leak unless there's an issue. And normally, it is cooking the plates inside the battery, and it's putting pressure inside the battery, and it's coming out of the caps out on the top of the battery. So when you see that, uh, just get a battery changed, because you can have it checked. But that stuff sitting on top of that battery is highly inflammatory, it is. It'll flame up and just. I mean, something weird. You know, uh, you blow a belt and it takes out of uh, idler pulley, and you get a spark and it flies over on top of the battery. It can start a fire. So these are the little things that you can do, and if you have a little maintenance done on it all time, you're going to save a bunch of money. And don't get me wrong, I know. That time is money, also. So if you go in and you say, "Well, I I don't want to, I don't want to get, well, I don't, I don't know, I don't think I want to spend that extra seventy five dollars on that," um, we'll just wait. If it gets worse, I'll bring it back in. Uh, if you get it, that's called preventive maintenance. That's called ignoring preventive maintenance when a professional has told you that and if you don't like or you don't trust the shop that you're dealing with go get another shop and if you don't like the estimate that you're getting get another estimate Simmons don't get mad at that Parker don't get mad at it Brian doesn't get mad at it you know get another estimate that's just business that's just your good business practice and when you get the estimates then if three guys tell you the same thing maybe you want to reconsider whether or not you want to get it fixed and put off a night at the casino or something and take care of this little issue before it takes care of you the ones that now it's fall time of the year we've got all of these RVs and uh hunting guys that hunt and they're getting ready to go out They're already getting their permits and stuff like this. Check that that gone fifth wheel you've got or that travel trailer or that horse trailer before you hit the road. Check it out, especially the wheel bearings, because that thing has been sitting there cooking since last hunting season, and then you crawl in it, and you don't know if you've had pack rat problems. You don't know any of this stuff until you actually hook it up, jack it up, Check the side movements in the bearings to see if they're excessively loose, which means there's no grease in there or limited grease, and you need to. It will not sustain a long run. It will fry the axle, and if you're lucky, it won't bend or melt the spindle, so you have to buy an entire axle and put back on that thing before you can get it back home. Hey. Been there, done that, not fun. Hey, Jerry. and. Yeah. we got a caller on the line. He wants to talk about something uh, off-topic, electric cars. Do you want to take that call? Yeah. Okay, his name's Al. Who we got? Al. Al? Okay, let's go with Al. Good morning, Al. Gerald, what's up? Well, well, we're just talking about a lot of preventive maintenance stuff that uh, uh, my buddy brought up to me from Parker Automotive about uh, what he's seen coming through. And some of the recommendations that he has and to try to keep the motor in public out with a safe, dependable vehicle. I sent so you what do you me
2: got, Al? What you do for you? I sent you and Jimmy huh? a picture last night of a long line of uh electric cars waiting for an open charging station. Did you see that? Uh, no. You sent it to me oh well, what time last night? Maybe I don't uh, know. I don't know. It was last night, sometime eight or nine o'clock. But yes,
1: I am incredible. committed with what you're talking about.
2: Yeah, it was. uh well, it was 10, incredible. It, Jimmy, did you get that picture? I did.
0: Ten forty last night. Ten forty. Little late, Jerry. Ten forty. It's, a, it's, it's a, a oh, Yeah. Of, oh, oh.
2: <laughs> It's, it's, it's a, a picture of, what are of a things long things. line of electric cars waiting for an open charging station. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, and, uh, we know that the infrastructure is not there. We know that they're still working on it. It's work in process. It has got a lot of money behind this work in process from the federal government to make sure that everything is put in place. Uh You know, I I don't know how they're going to get the parts to even build the batteries for these cars because the construction or the mining equipment uh, that is working overtime now, and I'm I'm guessing that they're going to have to buy bigger equipment and something that will process it quicker because the demand for uh, product to make the EV batteries now. And uh, so, yeah. Uh, expect long lines, you know, especially in California. And, uh, I was talking to a guy that went over to California factory with Mike and Mike was telling me about the same thing about the lines that he run across, uh, while he was driving, but he was running a, uh, Honda CRV gasoline. He said, and we were passing station after station that has this infrastructure in, and all of them had lines of cars. And he said they actually stopped in one place, went in, spent the night, got back out. And they said, well, we'll spend, we'll just wheel around to that service station and fill up a Honda and top it off and go on. And he said one of the cars that was in line was still at the charging station the next morning. And I'm going, wow. And uh, it was a Tesla. And he said, uh, you know, so the infrastructure they're still working on. So, yeah. And that's from a guy that's seen it firsthand. So, yes.
2: And that's from the state that wants to ban electric uh, gas cars in about 13 years.
1: Yep. Well, they can ban them.
2: uh, They'll actually ban the purchase purchase on them. Ban the 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 purchase on them, yeah. Yeah, you can't find
1: one. So it's going to be interesting. And, you know, hey, if they whip this, I still think there's a place for electric vehicles. They've got big trucks now that's come out with uh, battery packs in them. That's supposed to go 1,800 kilometers on a charge. That's from overseas, and it's an 18-wheeler. So congratulations. You know, spend $500,000 to get this thing. And, you know, and go for it, you know. I I just – it's a lot of movement in the automotive industry right now, a lot of problems with manufacturing because people are – the manufacturers are gearing up for electric vehicles, and that's a lot of gearing up. And as Jim was saying, uh, you know, the cars, the electric cars, you – well – They've got the good, the bad, the ugly, but so does a gasoline burner. So, but I'm I'm just I'm kind of a, one of these guys that likes to. I want to wait and see if they get something to where I feel comfortable in buying just electric only. Right now, I would not buy an electric car because I'm a chicken. I would buy a hybrid. And the guys that I know that have hybrids now are very pleased with them. They get good fuel economy. They run clean. They've got a backup gasoline motor. They've got constant charging on the batteries, the way they've got the batteries set up in these hybrids. And But on that same thought, if you look at the Ford Maverick that they're trying to bring out that's a hybrid, uh, there's all sorts of problems with the little gasoline motor that they have in there. The hybrid portion of it, the electric portion, I guess, is running okay. But they're having uh, computer reprogramming going on, which is normal. Uh, But uh, the engines that they put in these cars, the small engines, uh, was having a problem with the Maverick. That thing has nine recalls on it. And nine recalls mean there's nine safety recalls. If an engine quits on a road, it is potentially dangerous to your health. That's the reason that the engines have the recalls on them. Uh, it goes along with any safety item on a car. So from seat belts, like Ford, I think, has got a recall now on seatbelts. They still got an airbag issue with uh, Takata airbags. Uh, but to enlighten the public, they are figuring about, 30 percent of the American public that are driving a vehicle have active recalls on them right now that haven't been addressed. They've been notified, 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 and they're still not getting them addressed uh, addressed and getting them fixed. So, yeah, Uh, the charging issue on them, yeah, well, we're spoiled. We we, We want everything right now. We want to roll in Within 10 minutes, we want to roll out, and that's allowing us enough time to walk into the station and get a soda and then walk back out to the car, stretch your legs a little bit, and then you're on your way. And that's not quite what's happening with electric cars as far as the time factor. So you have to replan or pre-plan your trip, and you're going to have to allow for your charging times at these different stations. So, yeah, it's... uh. It's the infrastructure and the speed is not there, but they have the super duty charging station now that I, that they put out. And one vehicle I think was sitting at a super duty and he was there for three hours to bring it up on a super duty charging station. Now, I don't know what they call a super duty unless it's a 440 almost has to be a 440 charge system. But is your car set up for a 440 charge system? Is your car set up for a 110 charge system? they got stage 1, 2, and 3 in charging. Is it set up for 1, which is a 110? Is it set up for a 2, which is a 220? And then it's a 440. And now they're calling a supercharger. I don't know if they modified the 440 to get the supercharger in there. So there's just a lot of stuff going on with electric
2: vehicles right now. One more thing uh, I just wanted to ask you about these tires. You were talking about tires at the beginning of the show. Um, What Uh happens to an old tire when it's ground down? Is it always used for uh, crumb rubber to uh, add as an amenity to asphalt to put down on a road? Or can that tire be recycled and and made a new tire?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yes to both of it. Uh, they're using rubber. Rubber used tires. Rubber is used in a lot of stuff now. I mean, a lot of stuff. And they recycle everything. They grind. They break these tires down. They shred them out, and then they separate them. They melt them down, and they then they make rubber products out of them. Uh, the road. They are mixing it with the asphalt. They've only been doing that a few years, but it works well in the road. Because it, with, it it'll withstand a whole lot of beating, and so that works. But they they grind them down and they make different products. You know, non non critical products. Most uh, most of the stuff on it.
2: Can they make but, a new tire they do, out of that? Can it? I don't see why not. I, I don't know. I'm just thinking. I, a lot of times, you know, yeah. if you recycle aluminum, you can't use that. Recycle aluminum on uh, airplanes because its its uh, integrity is compromised. Right, right. Now that that's aluminum, but
1: on the tires, uh, you know, you got steel belts. Of course, you don't you don't use reuse the steel in them in tires. That I I don't think I haven't heard of them doing that. But if you take the as far as just a rubber component or what's on the outside of them. Uh, I, I, I don't know if that is goes into maybe they produce a lower-speed tire out of it or a lower-grade tire out of it, or maybe they make trailer tires out of it that's geared at 45 miles an hour. Everything's a player. I mean, the speed, the weight of the vehicle, and so all that has to be taken in. I would think that you would use virgin rubber to make the tires out of only because yeah. it's virgin rubber, and that that would make sense to me, but I'm not a tire manufacturer uh you know about the time I think I have all the answers, somebody changes all the questions, so it it's just it's a ongoing learning process for me too as well al
2: and uh well I'll, yeah, I I do know, know that they reuse them. Yeah, I just didn't know if they could use that recycled rubber in a tire, in a new tire. Maybe Jimmy knows. I don't. I certainly don't know. Jim,
0: I, Jim, I generally, I know. do not.
2: Jim, do you know anything
0: about that? Yeah, no. Generally, no. You can't. Um, when you grind the tire up, there's too many impurities in it, and they can't. They can't make it into a good tire anymore. You can recap a tire. Okay. If you have a, a tire that's well, cased, you know, you can put a new tread on it. Right. For a recap. Right. In big trucks, but yeah. generally speaking, on the old tires, you can't, because of the way that the rubber is, you can't, the vulcanization process just doesn't work. I guess that's what the tire guys told me. And there's also impurities, like well, you said, that, the belts, the steel belts, the Kevlar belts in there. Yeah. Well, it makes good asphalt. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Uh, uh, asphalt. There's plenty of old tires out there, Jimmy. Makes grit asphalt. Yeah. It's more expensive to put down, but uh, it wears like iron, and it's nice and quiet. So they use them uh, on roads uh, around neighborhoods a lot of times well,
0: you it, know, it absorbs it, the it's sound. Got a, it, it's got, well, and well, it's got a good expansion rate. So uh, asphalt has a expands and contracts with heating and cooling. But so the the ru- the tire impregnated asphalt has a, a little bit better. Ex- expansion rate so it gives a little bit easier so it doesn't crack quite so hard you guys have a good weekend
2: a little... i'll let you go I, jerry take a look at those uh cars waiting in line for the charging it's you oh, know if you oh, weren't laughing idea. you'd be crying seeing a picture like that
1: <laughs> i look at it <laughs> and i say well that's pretty normal pictures. right now <laughs> it's just normal it's just it's just normal and they'll get it you know hopefully they'll continue to work and they'll get more charging stations and but California is the one that I'm I'm going how many charging stations are you going to have to do to get what what do they got over like 3 million cars or something like that and if they convert them all over to electric and then you've got the electric diesels coming in and you've got so that means the infrastructure has to be made for these 18 wheelers towing a trailer when they come in So they've got a lot of infrastructure. Like I said, the federal government is pouring billions into this thing. So, you know, it's on the way. It's just a matter of when it gets here. And by the time it gets here, there will be more electric cars, and there will still be building infrastructure. You know, it's just like diesel fuel when I got my diesel. The only place I could get it was at the truck stops. And now you can get it just about any store or any gas station around the state of Arizona. So it's just an infrastructure thing, and they're working on it. Uh, but I kind of chuckled. Uh, when was it, last week? No, not last week. About two weeks, maybe three weeks ago, California said we want, uh, during the holiday, said we want everybody to cut back on the air conditioning in your house, uh, cut back on um, uh, when you do your uh, laundry, dishwashers, uh, wash machines, and all of that. And they said, in order to help us through the weekend, we're going to fire up our generators, which is diesel-operated, and augment the electric system. And I'm going, okay. So we're not out of fossil fuels yet. We won't be out of fossil fuel, meaning gasoline, gas, uh, propane, and stuff that comes out of the Earth in the U.S. of A. We've got plenty of it. And that is still going to have to be something that is going to be around a while because it, there's not enough windmills and not enough hydro plants, water plants, that can produce enough electricity to stay up with what we've got on order right now. I mean, we're already having brownouts, blackouts, and all that crap, and we, that's before they started pushing electric cars. Now we've got electric cars coming out in droves. So they're going to have to come up with a, a – uh, a plan to make to make gasoline for the electric cars, which is electricity. So I'm, I'm waiting to see how all the automations going to take place. But it's not as simple as just buying an electric car and driving it. It's not. It's not that simple. Everything comes with a little bit of a uh, little bit of issue, a little bit of extra work, and that's exactly what's happening to the electric cars.
2: You know, hopefully they'll get get it all worked out and be good. Have a great week. All right,
1: Al. Thanks for the call, buddy.
2: See you later, Jimmy. Bye.
1: Thanks, Al. So have you got anything else you want to add on those electric cars before we go back to the regular stuff on vehicles?
0: Uh, Just that uh, the electric car line is going to be a very long line to wait in. It's just it's just the uh, waiting for the Chargers is not a fast process. So, Mm-mm.
1: all right. Now we get back to the little conversation we had, and there's a lot of things that come up. Uh, one one issue was uh, my brother called me, and he he started telling me he changed the shocks on a '71 Chevelle. All right? That's an older car. You should be able to go in and change the shocks on a car like that in what? About an hour, hour and a half at the top end? Well, it took him about seven hours. He was trying to get the shocks off, and every technician in the world knows what I'm talking about now. And all of a sudden, you can't get the nut off the top of the single post shock that comes up through the top of the mounting bracket. And
2: <coughs>
1: so you work on it. You try to hold it down, hold the shank coming out. So either a half-inch or three or five-inch shank, depending on the heavy-duty or light-duty shock. And you can't get it off. And then if you add headers onto a big block, that gets in the way so you it cuts down on all of your access points and you can't get anything in there but about a three inch uh uh open in or box end wrench and it still won't come out and you've got no way to put an extra torque to it. Uh but this it took him and then he when he does finally get it off it turns out that the threads were actually stripped. The nut was put on, and then they hit it with a wind gun or something, a, a impact gun, and it just drives it on. Well, when it drives it on at that high speed and it locks it down and you hammer it, it's going to weld itself to the shank, and it's a nightmare. So my suggestion, if you plan on doing your shocks, go ahead and do your shocks. When you get to new shocks, you you try the nut on the end of the shock and see if you can run it up by hand. And then when you put it in the, in the bracket, you take that nut, you run it up to where you can just barely see the threads coming out of the top of the uh, nut. Then you torque it down, because by then you've already got it in, and you're okay but torque it, but don't don't use 250 pounds of torque on that thing. It doesn't need it, and I know what it's going to do. It's going to fry. When it gets down to the stop point, that amount of torque, before you can take your finger off the trigger, it is going to cross-thread down into bottom. It's going to be almost a nightmare trying to get that thing off. So it took him eight and a half hours to put on four shocks, and he knows what he was doing. And then he was mad because whoever put the other shock on uh, cross-threaded. And then when he put the left side shock on it, he actually cross-threaded it because he said, I thought I had it going on, then I hit it with my little wind gun, my little uh, torque gun, and it immediately locked the nut on it. So he had to do two lock nuts to get them off of shocks, and because he he got in a hurry. Everybody wants to use wind guns now. Use a small wrench and you torque it down, and it'll tell you exactly when you're getting across there. And then you back it off and you dress it up if you have to, and go on with it. So be careful when you're doing shocks. All right, we're out of time for the first hour, so we will take a quick break here. Don't fill
2: up your coffee and we'll be back.